a lot of people ask me who's the book for for everybody and then people say that's bad marketing because like you always say you have to have a target audience this book is written in such a way that if you're listening right now and you're like i'm gonna apply for a new job after corona i'm gonna change my job or i want to get a certain promotion or i want to start public speaking or i'm gonna upgrade my sales or i want to upgrade my relationship with my husband or my wife, anything that has to do with communication and getting people to take action, yeah. read the book. And I will guarantee, and I was also happy that you confirmed it and you were super happy with what you read. I will guarantee it will work hundred percent. Not if just read it, apply it. And I will guarantee you will get that job promotion project approved. Good morning, Marnik. Good morning. How are, How are you? you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Very good. Very good. It's Corona times, but I'm still very good. Enjoying the new life, adapting to my environment. I'm working from home and I live in the rural area. So I'm looking at my fresh, freshly mowed lawn with some birds, some sheep. And that's, <laughs> that's about it. So if we hear sheep noises or uh, chicken noises. Yeah, days, that's, uh, that's constant here. So, great. So, Marnik, um, we actually never met, um, allez, we never talked allez, physically. Um, mm -hmm. I saw you like five, six years ago in Brussels. It was during a sales conference. I don't know if you remember that. You were jumping on the stage like a wild man, lots of energy, 8 a.m. in the morning. Sure. And <laughs> that was my first impression of you. My first question, where do you get all that energy? Where did I get? First, it was funny. I, I still remember it was a, was a sales summit and I asked you to organize up front because I think it was like the, the first time they booked me. Uh, so like you said, the first impression can go, go, can go different ways. So I said like, can I do my thing? Or is this like a serious everybody in suit sales? Good morning. And I said like, just do your thing. That's why we booked you. Just go crazy. And I'm like, let's get this popped um and just jump in there and where do i get my energy is first of all i do it just to make sure that i get enough energy in the beginning because if i go on in a normal way like good morning everybody how are you doing did you have a nice drive here that's nice and i know a lot of people will like it because it's a morning and it's a slow start but i need it for myself because when you're in host and if you ever do it it's a whole day that you have to keep like two three hundred people entertained so my technique for myself is get in there, throw energy, get energy back. People are a bit shocked, like, oh, my God, we're started. It's 8 a.m. Let's do this. And energy you get back gives you energy to go for eight more hours. So it's okay. a bit of a... And but at that time, you were working for a corporate, for PepsiCo or yeah, Pepsi, Pepsi, I believe. Yeah. And um, when did you decide around then that you would change and start your own company? Um, well, I grew up in a family of only entrepreneurs and it's really, I have a really big family. Um, and all of them, my cousins, my uncles, my parents, even the, the, the parents of, of my, of my wife are all on the, all had businesses in different areas like law and retail and, and, and accountancy, banking, whatever it is, but they all had their own company. So I saw nothing else as a kid. And I always said to myself, I need to have my own company because I grew up with it. I saw the struggles. I saw the difficulties, what it is to have your own business. If it's small or big, doesn't matter. But I knew I wanted to do it. 
And then as, as working with PepsiCo is my second job because I used to work in the agency world. And then at PepsiCo, I loved working there. I always say like, if I ever go back, which is not the plan, but if I ever go back to being an employee, I would apply again at PepsiCo. That's how much I liked working in that corporate. Um, but at a certain point, I was closing in on, on the, the, the trio, 30 years old. And I was like, now is the time I need to do it. Now is the time. You feel that urge. You can't describe it, but you feel that urge. Like, now is the time and you got to make a move. Is, is PepsiCo going to be the rest of my life or another big corporate? Or is this the time I'm going to go start my own business? And at that time, as the universe was involved in it, yeah. uh, a colleague came to me and said, Marnik, how come your team and you get everything approved? You get all the budgets. When you want to hire someone, it's no problem. You know everybody in the company. How come everything goes so smooth? And I start analyzing it, and I saw the way that we presented to the board, the way that we presented ourselves to suppliers and other clients, really, yeah, linked to them, really, really clicked with them. And I started analyzing what we were doing, and I started giving internal trainings to the teams to show them how we were selling our department. And that was so well-received that I was like, this is what I need to do because if the teams at PepsiCo are struggling with this, other corporates are struggling with this. And in a weekend I was talking to my entrepreneur father-in-law and he said, well, Marnik, you've been talking about this starting your business for so long and I'll give you an ultimatum. And this is really what he said at the, at the family table where we're eating cake for a, for a birthday of a cousin of mine. And he said, either you're going to stop talking about it and stop saying that you want to do it. Uh, and you're going to go on Monday to PepsiCo and you're going to go to HR and say, I quit my job. Or you stop talking about it entirely, just do your job and never talk about it again. Wow, great. And I was super shocked. I was really mad at him because he still remembers. <laughs> I was like, who are you to tell me what I should do? And I can still talk about it. And it's not that easy. And I was really, really pissed off. But the next day was Monday. And on Monday, I went to HR at PepsiCo and I said, I'm going to quit my job. I love working here, but it's time to start my own business. I'm going to do what I've been doing here internally, training, uh, and the rest is history. So that's how I got into yeah. starting. But for me, my perception, my first perception was that you are a marketeer. Mm-hmm. But if I read your book, Stand Up to Stand Out, yeah. you are not a marketeer. So who are you actually? Are you a marketeer? Are you a seller? Are you... Uh, personal developments are you a speaker are you a coach who are you actually how, how do you how do you see yourselves i'm going to ask it like that that's the that's, i'll probably if we do this podcast in a couple of years i'll give you a different answers that's that's the of beauty of, of you when you reinvent yourself but i think if you ask me who am i is that i forgot who i was during the years and with starting my business i found myself again, which I will explain and make concrete. When I started after schooling and I had to find an internship, I started in HR, internal communication, employer branding, recruitment. That was the day that HR and employer branding was just putting a job ad in the papers. That was, that was it. And people said, why do you want to do that? Because you have the sexy public relation world. You have the sexy advertising world. Why do you want to go into HR? Because you studied marketing communications. And I said, I want to do something with people. I want to change people. I want to make them better. I want to get the full potential. I want to get them to a job. 
and that they worked there and that they grow and that I had something to do with it. That was my initial drive. That's why I chose the HR world and the employer branding world. And I loved it. And then I went to PepsiCo and I became a marketeer because we did the digital marketing and it was selling chips and cola and all that stuff. Um, and it was great and it went great, but I felt that that wasn't really me because you lost track of the people and it was more about the numbers. Yeah. And then when I started this business again, I found myself again. And if you ask me, who are you? I'm again, that guy who came from school and wanted to do something with people. And now my job is to coach in group or one-on-one -on -one everyday people. And the beauty is not just making money and growing a business, but that these people send you messages and say, thank you, Marnik. I found new confidence. Thank you. I now know how to speak in front of a big crowd. Thank you. This really changed me or brought back something I've got. So who am I? I think I am the guy who enjoys and gets energy in triggering something in people that brings out the best version of themselves. Oh, great answer. Now, your book, Stand Up to Stand Out, my first perception it, that it was a marketing book, but it isn't. Um, it's actually one of the best books that I've read since the last years, especially coming from Belgium. Say that again. <laughs> it's good for my ego. <laughs> yeah. But you know, also, if you're running uh, just on your ego, you're not going to touch a lot of people, of course. No, that's true. Uh, that's no. true. Um, now, now where, where, when did you find out you had such great writing skills? Um, I found out, I, I think I got it from my, from my grandfather, like, like with everything, everyone who's in, in some sort of coaching knows everything almost relates back to your, to, your, to your childhood. I think I subconsciously watched my grandfather. He loves to write. He still writes. He's 88 years old. He still writes every day, poetry, things he reads. Uh, it keeps him mentally and, and physically really. He's still 88. He goes bowling goes to the pub he's still on it and and he loves to write loves to read and every birthday i had he wrote a poem himself and he has beautiful handwriting so i think i saw it as a kid every day because we had a very good relationship and i spent a lot of time with him uh, and then in college we had a copywriting class which is writing okay. and i had to do assignments and every time i did an assignments i got all maxed the points all the teachers were like this is really good and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that. I can write. And then there's also the time that I met Natalie, my, my wife. And she also said, well, you're a good writer. You can actually do that. It's, it's normal that you're getting a lot of points. And I was like, hey, I'm actually enjoying this. And for some reason, people that know something about it say that's, that I'm good at writing. So I thought like, okay, I'm good at it. And they say I'm good at it. So let's keep doing it. And then after a while, the idea grew of like, let's start writing a book and, and blogs and all that stuff. So but when, when, when does that who when does that when was the moment that you really had and now i'm going to do it now i'm going to write a book when was that was that three four years ago mm, i think it was about two years ago um and, and i wanted to write a novel okay. i wanted to write something like like i don't know novel of something harry potter lord of the rings yeah, yeah, game yeah. of thrones style and i started many times but you have to find out so many characters and it's deepest respect for for the jk rowlings of this world um to, to be able to write that but i wanted to do something like that and then a friend of mine brett minchington who is a an author who has written i think five six books globally and some other people that uh, that are experienced authors said like why don't you write a business book and the moment they start not pushing me but start 
planting the seeds, it started growing. Like maybe I should let the novel go and write the book. And then two years ago, I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't know how, but I'm going to start writing it. Okay. Now, another subject which you touch upon really yeah, lightly in the book, you studied NLP. I mean, yeah. NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is um, something they invented during the 70s. Um, you're a little bit over 30. It's a technique which I yeah, would not associate with you. Where did you get that from? Um, from Tony Robbins. Okay. Like, if so you don't know from, you go yeah, ahead. He's, he's one of your biggest inspirators, idols in that area? Idols? I'm not the kind of guy who would idolize uh, people, but he, he was That's one of the... If you look at the energy you said with yeah. the sales, yeah, yeah. The sales summit, um, it really related to me as like, okay, if he can get away with it, I can get away because this is the style I love. Um, but a lot of people say it's so American, but yeah, in the end, everybody's jumping around. You saw it at the sales summit. People may, might feel awkward in the beginning, but if you do it right, everybody loves it. Everybody loves to have fun and, and, and get that inner child out. But I looked at him. I love this energy. And I loved when I saw, for example, the I Am Not Your Guru documentary. Yeah, it's great, eh? Great, eh? Howie, and there's so much to say about the whole show around it. But for me, it was the way he interacted with people and the way he got things out of people in just a few sentences. I was like, wow, how does he do this? And I looked him up and I saw that he does a lot of NLP because most of what he does is yeah. NLP. But he, he actually gave courses for Jim Rohn yeah. in the 70s um, of NLP. That's how he started, of course. Eh? I mean, the, the four stages of competence, it's all NLP or talking about pleasure or pain. Um, Just if you, if you follow NLP and you watch that documentary again, you will see that the, the smallest words, the smallest sentences, because it's a lot about language, um, can can do so much and the shock effect that he also has some people that they're talking about they 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 have they want to kill themselves and they're so depressed and whatever and then the things he said you're like oh my god you can't say that but he says it in such a way that it triggers a new thought and it changes this person completely when i saw that i wanted to do it i found the course i did it for a whole year uh, and it it changed how i taught and interact with people completely okay now on the topic selling, what does selling mean to you, the word selling? Because for a lot of people, it's negative. They don't like selling themselves. Mm. They don't want to sell a vision or, or a message, or they don't get it that they have to sell something. What does selling mean to you? Selling for me, I, don't, I, I like the word selling, and I know a lot of people don't. But selling for me, how can I say this in a, in a short way? Selling for me is sharing your passion and i know passion is a big word but sharing your passion for a service and a product and getting the other person so excited that he because we're still living in a, in a business economical world he or she wants to spend money on it and trust you with that money and deliver that product or service because they're inspired or motivated or convinced by how convinced you are of the thing that you uh, i think the first my first encounter with selling to best describe it is i was sitting in a lunchroom in uh, high school with a friend of mine and I just got the new Xbox Yeah, and I wanted him to also buy an Xbox so we could game online together uh, yeah. when we were not at each other's home and I talked to him and such and I was like Xbox and did and was asking questions and what can I do for me and for you it would be great and pop 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 and for the whole half hour of the lunch break I sold him the Xbox and afterwards he said I gotta get this stuff 
I got to get this Xbox. And he bought the Xbox the day after. And that for me was, oh my God, I sold him the Xbox. I'm not making any money. I'm making Microsoft money. But because you shared that passion, because you got someone else excited about a product or service that you're excited about and they paid money to get it, that's for me the, the foundation of self. Okay, great. Also in your book, you're, 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 you're touching on the fact that a lot of people, also sellers, are just talking and just pushing a kind of a message. Um, but you look at, at a very different angle. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on that? You, 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 you first start by yeah, talking with some persons in your audience to get to know who they are, um, to, to really get that engagement. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm it's my conviction that it's really hard until, except if you have like a product or service, if I go to you, Peter, and I say, if you drink from this mug that I'm holding right now with my coffee, and if you drink from this mug, I will guarantee, and I will show you the numbers, I will guarantee you will make a million euros at the end of the year. Then you will probably buy this mug if I can prove it with the, with the, with the numbers. That's easy, but not every product or service is like that. And a lot of products and services have a lot of competition in this globalized world. So how can you sell something to me, even though you're passionate about it, if you do not know what triggers me, what I'm bumping into, what my context is? Because then you can have a whole sales story. You can have a whole PowerPoint, whatever you're bringing, but it's all mumbo jumbo because I just want to hear that one thing that triggers that triggers me. And this is so strange hearing that from a mark or next marketing guy, because a lot of marketeers that I I see, they just think are oh, we great we're going to create a nice brochure, a nice website, a nice yeah, logo, a nice slogan and um, some words and people are going to buy this. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very generic and it's really high level and it means actually nothing. It doesn't it doesn't connect. Where did you get that knowledge, that wisdom? From my time at at at, at PepsiCo and, and, and it's not specifically PepsiCo, but I always also say when I'm speaking for, for example, students, yeah. a lot of people in Belgium, I don't know if it's in every country, but in Belgium say, uh, when you work in a big corporate multinational, you're a number and it's very impersonal and I just want to squeeze you as a lemon. And that's what a lot of people say to me then when I say like, I love working in a corporate, but I say to students that want to, that have the ambition to grow a career because not everybody has to have a career, uh, go work in a corporate for a couple of years really do it it will be the greatest school in life and there i i learned this insight why because when i was working as as the digital manager uh, for the benelux market i have to lie but we got 10 to 15 even more maybe suppliers of tools and software and creative agencies coming to us I could have a separate mailbox just by people that wanted to meet with us, drink coffee, sell us something because you're the big brand and everybody wants you uh, mm -hmm. on their, on their client list. And because I, I, I had that, I had to be very selective and only the people that touched upon my context and, and my personal value that I was looking for were the people that I actually invited and all the other people that gave me a general story of how great their product, the service was like, get in line. I have 50 others. And now with our company, and what I wrote in the book about selling, it's the same thing. Understand the context, definitely, if you're talking to big corporates. These people don't have time. These people have 50 other people that do the same thing as you. 
but are you the one that understands the person, understands their context and know which button to push that they say, that's exactly what I need. That's exactly what I'm bumping into. And going a little bit deeper, how can you understand the context? How do you do that? You ask questions? Yeah, it's, it's different different ways. For example, if you haven't, if you don't have a physical meeting yet and you're still in the email phase or the or the trying to get in touch with a certain person then most of the time it's your your experience like for example if you're if you're going to small business owners in a technical environment well you're going to sell more easy if you have some experience or you talk to them up front so you know the context that most of them are in we as a business target big corporates for a purpose because first of all they need our services we like to work with them and it's really our target audience. Not that we don't want to work for the smaller companies, but it's, it's our main target audience because Natalie and I both have a background in very big corporates. So if you want to get in touch with them through the phone, cold calling, yeah. um, emailing, LinkedIn, DMs, we know their context, their general context up front yeah. and know what most of them are bumping into. Then when you get a meeting, then it's easier because then you're talking and people say so much, even though they don't want to. Even if you're talking about where you went on holiday, I also wrote about an example in, in the book for someone talking about their yeah. holiday in Italy. You give so much information about yourself that you can use in the sales, uh, in your sales pitch uh, because they're looking for more freedom. They want to make decisions. They want to save time. They want to look good. They want a personal PR within the company, whatever it is. And then it's easier to find a button. Now, in the, in the book, you, you, you're describing fantastic examples also. And this is something, if people are interested, they need to buy your book about you the go. Chewbacca story because it's so great. Um, so I'm not going to give away, go give away the, the surprise. A lot of people think it's a joke, but it's word for word. No, for no, no, no. <laughs> I really believe it's, it's so no. fantastic, that story, that I only can think it's true. Now... What, what, what for you is, is actually, I mean, everything in the book are golden stories, but are there also stories where it didn't work, where you struggled, where you, yeah, I don't know, where you're in a situation that, yeah, I don't know, um, you fucked it up, you failed, you whatever, and what was the lesson that you learned there? Or is everything, more... is everything working smoothly for you? No, no, no. I think the, the most difficult sales meetings I had was when I started out because I didn't know about all the things that I wrote now in the book through experience. So you have to have a million bad meetings to be able yeah. to write the book and know yeah. what actually works. And in the beginning it was super frustrating and I was always pissed off at the client. Yeah. I was always mad at them. They didn't understand my product. They didn't understand my service. What's the yeah. problem? This is the best thing for you. And why can't you understand? I was always pissed off at them. Like I said in the book, it's never the audience. It is one person or 400. It's never the audience. It's always you, how you communicate it. Also yeah. foundation NLP. It's never the audience. Um, and then when I look back at what I'm doing now and what I wrote in the book, and I look back at all these meetings back in the day, it was always down, coming down to, to the same thing. I was giving them a general story. I was thinking this is great and this is the best solution, but I was not tapping into what they really no. wanted. No. Every time the same thing. No. And now we still have meetings that it doesn't work. Not, we, like, we don't sell everything. Um, what do you let's mean? say if we, if what we do, do you mean? Have, what do you mean we don't sell everything? 
meaning that not every meeting we do or every call yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah, it's, it's closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but most does, it, of the time, does, it, does it have to be? I mean, sometimes you attract with your proposal and the way you do things, certain people, which is a, actually your ideal client, and the mm. people where there is no fit, you repel them. I mean, why yeah. do you want to have a client which is not fitting your... Because it's not an ideal match. Exactly. So, and that's something I needed to learn. Definitely, if you're starting your own business, you want to say yes to everything because you need the money and you want to start up and you want as much money. client as you want. And now we're, we're getting in a phase that we can actually say like, it's great that you want to work with us, but we're not going to do it. And it's really hard. It, oh, it hurts so much when you have to say like, no, we're not going to do it because we don't see a match or it's not really what we do. Da, 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 da. It's yeah, but the thing is, that's also something I learned. Eh? Saying no can also create value. But I, you know, Jay Abraham, you know him? It's like My mind it's, says I should know him, but... No, 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 no. It's, it's also in the space of uh, Tony Robbins and he actually charges 50,000... Well, you have to charge $50,000 for a day spending with him. And nice. he has the, the strategy of preeminence. And it's, it's a very simple thing. Eh? It's really your intention that you set for yourself when you are meeting somebody or have a conversation with. And instead of what's in it for me, eh? I, I want my money, I want a commission eh? or scarcity eh? mm -hmm. uh, because I need the money. People feel that. And yeah. people are like, it, it holds you back. You're getting in your own way. Mm -hmm. He says your, your intention should always be, how can I serve you? Now, it's... If the outcome of the meeting is no, because there is no perfect match or you cannot give 100% true value to that person by collaborating, it's best to say no because that person also has a network, his second and third connections and your name will resonate in a very positive way. And he is actually your sales guy or girl within his network. And yeah. it's, you just mentioned also planting seeds. You're just planting a seed and you don't know when, but it is a possibility that within six months or within three months or within nine months, you get a call or an email. Hey, I've been referred to this guy. Um, I know you said no to him, but he really appreciate that because a lot of people, 90 or 95% of them, they want to say yes and they want to have every deal. And then somebody pops up who is different, who has different energy and he says, no, we're not going to work together. I don't want your money. There's no fit. No, I don't feel it. And people, are and people are shocked. Yeah, and, and, and definitely there, there, to, to add on that, there are two things for me. Like, you need to learn to say no um, to protect yourself and to, to keep that, that reputation and that, that, that market value. You need to say no because after a while when you're doing something, you, you actually, I'm a, I'm a person that feels a lot Yep. Uh, you feel that you're doing something. If you said yesterday, you feel after when the project just started, everything is cringe and oh, and you're like, I shouldn't have done this. And your whole body is screaming like you shouldn't yeah. be doing it. And indeed, like you say, you're not giving your best and it's hurting your reputation. But I also noticed that you need to look when you're saying no to the person that is asking. And not that you're you're not liking them or, or you yeah. don't respect them or whatever, but if there's not a click with the person giving you the assignment, that's the most important part because we said yes to projects in the past that we didn't want to do because it wasn't our expertise. We didn't have any experience and we're like, should we really do this? We actually should say, say no. But because we had such a great connection with the person giving us uh, the assignment, we were like, okay, we're going to do it. 
And because we did it for the person, the project afterwards became a success. And we were like, we got to add this to our yeah, service. Yeah. Oh my God, it was a great project. We were scared. Yeah. So there's always the, the, the client-supplier relationship when you, when you step into a project. But I always remember what the, the notary said when Natalie and I got married and we, we signed our contracts and, and made up the, the, the whole contract up front. But everybody thinks it's not, not very romantic. Uh, and he also said that there's, I don't know if it's, it's entirely as I say it, probably the, the finance people know it better, that you can never employ your spouse because there always has to be, because your husband and wife, uh, there can't be a level between Natalie and me. I cannot be her boss. She can't be my boss. So we always have to be on the same same level. That's what he said. That's what, what happens in a relationship. And I think that's a beautiful thing, like you said, to add on what you just said, that you need to have that in a project when you step into a project you have to have that same level like we both want this to work okay there's the client paying and you're the supplier but the moment that's in this balance and you get to feel you have to prove yourself or that you're like becoming the minion then uh, you're out say no okay i i really feel that you have worked on your mindsets are you aware of that what do you mean well you have a very positive mindset i mean during these corona times i mean you don't have any coaching um i think uh, coaching appointments no public speaking um appointments and you, you remain very 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 positive and you're always looking at the i wouldn't say the bright side at the opportunities to or you're looking for the lesson where i see a lot mm. of people are oh it's corona shit i can't go to the to the restaurants i can't go to work i move move um yeah. Um, I see dead people, I see people infected uh, all my life, all my life. But, but you are not. Do you have some, is, is, do you have some kind of, um, I don't know, um, habits or something? When you get up in the morning, you start sporting, you do some kind of meditation or do you, I don't know, do you, do you or do you, for, for instance, have a kind of a mastermind group with, with five people to really challenge each other's minds? I also feel that you and Natalie are also not only from a romantic point of view, but also from pure mindset, also really complementary and connected on the same level. Um, yeah. So how do you train that? Or you don't you train your mindset? I, because I don't believe you don't do it. I believe you really do it. Yeah, you really have to. Have to. It's like a, you know, your mind, your, your brain is like a muscle and you have, to, yeah. you have to train it every day. We can dive into what I do and what the... the not necessarily the tips, but the habits are. But I think the most important thing, and it's actually maybe a bit weird to say, but I hope the people that are listening, yeah. if you want that mindset, I hope you never have to go through it. Okay. But if you go through it, it's the best thing that can happen to you. And like you say, a lot of people experience me and also Natalie as super positive, the coronavirus. It's, it's affecting the whole world, but we still stay positive in our quarantine and we're facing, like you said, an empty agenda. We have to reinvent our whole business. We have to have to do more online than we did before because we're in the event sector, speaking a lot of coaching, training. And what I mean with you have to go through it is that I think I was around 2008 that um, I was working still in the advertising world and my whole idea of making a career was working as hard as possible, doing yeah. everything, not saying no, let's go, let's go. I was a young guy, let's go for a career. And I burned myself up as quickly as, but I didn't see I was doing that, but I was going 
super hard. Everything was yeah. going super great. Everybody's like, yeah. oh my God, this is, this is the young potential. Yeah. Look at him go. Yeah. Wow, he's, yeah. he's 22 years old and already speaking on the big stages about yeah. employer branding. And I was like, yay. And actually, I didn't know I was destroying myself. And then I don't want to get too, how do you say that, too, too yeah. emotional, make this podcast too heavy. But to give you the whole context is then at that point, I was at my tipping point of really crashing, which I didn't know. Uh, but you get the signs, you know, you get the heavy yeah. chest, you're going to have a heart attack, yeah. you're getting anxiety, all that stuff. And then at a certain point, a colleague of mine died at work. Yeah. Of I don't know what the English word for is, but when, when you're, your artery, they say your artery breaks, and that doesn't really break, but um, it, it's, it's an instant and you're gone. Yeah. And it happened at the office when I was still there as the only one at the office. And then uh, ambulance came and all that stuff. It was really heavy. In the movies, it looks... It looks, yeah, it's not great when someone dies, but in the movies, they make it look good. But I can tell you, if you see a man dying in front of you, it's not a pretty sight. It's not like in the yeah. movies. Definitely if you're a young guy. And then the day after, I will never forget the day after I had to tell his wife and kids, he had two little kids, oh. um, because I was the last one that saw their father. What happened? What he still said? All that stuff. I'm not going to go into, into detail, but that was like the hammer because you're already on the edge. And that was just a big push, which I hope nobody has to, has to go through. That pushed me. And it was on a Thursday, it happened. On Friday, I got the confrontation with the family. And then it was weekend. And in the weekend, I can't remember what I did. I think I played video games or whatever. And then on Monday, I went back to work. And that was the worst thing I could have done. And then I crashed completely. I really... I walked to the, how you say that? I walked to the shadow of the valley of whatever it is. Uh, I crashed completely. I never hope anyone has to go through that. Um, but it was a really hard time on me, mentally, physically, but also a really hard time on Natalie. Uh, because you're seeing your, your partner, your husband, doesn't even recognize himself yeah. anymore. Uh, and I got through it without any medication, without any pills, through sport, through coaching, through talking with Natalie, with other people, through positivity, to I really had to work on myself for yeah. one, two years. It was it was hell. But because I had to reinvent myself and I had to really do my body and my mind was forcing me to do a mind switch. That now when something happens like the coronavirus or I have to stay in quarantine or we're having a bad business year, we're not making enough money, all that stuff. It's still bad and it's still something that impacts you. But I think like, well, there are worse things. Like I said, that's why I said in the beginning, like I hope it's, it's, a, it's a thing that will help you a lot getting that mindset to coming to your initial question. But it's not something I hope a lot of people have to go through because like you said, it's because these things happened, it triggered you to reinvent yourself, think differently. But you don't hope that everybody that didn't have this experience doesn't have to have the experience, but does realize that now you're in a very luxurious position because you're healthy and you didn't experience too many bad things. I'm just talking to a the audience yeah. here, the listeners. Um, just make sure that you don't get in that position and you realize it now because either way, if it's true, something happening in your life or it's your body and your mind telling you it's enough because after a while, your body will say it's enough and will reset itself. Don't let it go that far and really make that that mind switch now it's like like my my father-in-law said everybody is like a coil spring um if i say it correctly the, 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 
yeah, it's a coil spring. And in life, through our jobs, through what happens to us in our private life, that spring gets stretched and goes back to normal size, stretched, normal size. But what a lot of people are experiencing right now, due to corona, due to their jobs that they don't like, to whatever they're doing, the, the spring, the coil spring is, is being stretched too far. And you know when you stretch it too far, it's impossible to go back to its original state. And it's the same with your body and mind. The moment, like with you, like with me, and like with so many other people, it has been stretched too yeah. far. Yeah. You cannot go back to our original state. So the only thing you can do is reshape it into something yeah. new, reinvent it, give it a new purpose. That's the only way you can solve it. And that's what we had to do because it was forced on us. And if you're listening to this, I hope you check your own coral spring and see like, am I stretching it too far? Well, get it back to his position, reinvent yourself to, that you don't have to go completely. Uh, yeah. And, that's, and this is something you also touched upon briefly is that, um, and this is something that I need to learn because I'm an, a male. So this means that feelings and emotions and sensing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mean I was, I was, I was, I was, I have an, a master in, in economics. So I was really brainwashed into thinking very rationally and, the, and the, the figures and the budgets and the targets and everything was a number and it's the number that you're getting and then you're going to be lucky mm-hmm. but it's just the other way around and I really I'm happy here that you say uh, you have to that's what I I heard is that you really have to listen to your intuition your gut your body you have to sense it you have to feel it and this is something also in a sales conversation, you can really feel the energy and feel the vibe. And sometimes yeah. when you listen very closely with your body, you can actually feel what the other person is really saying and not just the words because the words are, what is it, 10, 20% of the communication. All the rest is all these things of your body which is saying, if now, virtual, because I wanted to do this in real life because I like the real interaction and I really had to adapt to... Yeah, talking to a piece of plastic um, mm-hmm. to another person. But I learned that it's also possible to feel, to sense the energy. And yeah. it, it doesn't really need that close interaction of a, a person sitting next to you. No, it's true. And it's, 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 you use it in sales, you use it in any conversation, in a relationship. Uh, and in the beginning, what you said, talking about emotions for men, it's probably not as easy as for women, as it, as it, sh- it should be easy for, for both sides. Definitely, if you read like the books for, for Brenny, Brenny Brown, yeah, yeah, about yeah. shame and about vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, there you go. And you also see that once you allow it, because everybody, no matter how rational you think you are, we also say it's not a gift, it's a choice. And also in our boot camps, we see some people coming in that are so rational, so number focused, so only based on the facts that say this is not for me uh, and I'm also not good at selling because I don't want to waste time and I don't have the time to go into the feelings of what the other person likes and pushing the right buttons but after a while you see that everybody can do it and everybody's open to it but you just have to break through that that yeah. wall and once you break through that wall and you allow yourself to uh, to feel you become stronger um, less doubt less shame and you also sense that more in other people and your sales will go, go better. Your relationship will become better and your connection with yourself become better. And then people say, whoa, Marty, stop the podcast right now. Stop this episode. This is becoming too kumbaya feeling, but it's the same with fitness. Yeah, but it's the same. We say to people, go to the fitness. A lot of people react. I don't want to do that because I don't want to be a bodybuilder. Well, between being 
super skinny and bony and a bodybuilder, that's a long yeah. journey. Yeah. And it's the same with being super rational and kumbaya yeah. over yeah. emotion. That's a very long stretch. Yeah. So if you're somewhere in the middle, that's already great. Yeah, but it's, it's not the one thing or the other thing. No. It's the one thing and the other thing. You have yeah. both. But if you're just living 100% on the ratio, I think you're really living a very limited life. I have, I'm very happy also because I'm a musician. And I can tell you, um, if I play a gig in Hasselt or in Antwerp or in, 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 in Ghent, for instance, on a big stage, um, the thing that you are feeling connecting with an audience, because I don't use words because I'm playing the instrument, I mean, it's, it's a feeling that you, that you get. And yes, 10, 15 years ago, I was literally producing theory and notes, but now I'm literally playing a song. And there's a real big difference. I can hear a musician playing just notes or really mm -hmm. playing a song from his heart and connecting with his audience. And it's that nonverbal yeah, intention. And it's something, I think for me especially, that, that I had to, I wouldn't say learn, that I had to let go of the conditions that were blocking that um, sensing capability. So you, you call it kumbaya. I, no, I, I think that's a, a little bit, the, um, and I don't want to bash the, the Belgian culture, but I think that's a little bit um, inhibiting our Belgian culture. Uh, we cannot do that. Uh, we're, we're thinking very limited. Yeah, we cannot do that. The Dutch are better. Or, yeah, it's American. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, there are advantages of the Americans, but there are also disadvantages. And take what is right for you. And, I mean, don't say, I cannot do it. I mean, if you have something, if you have a gift, and you want to build a business or whatever, you have to sell. People are not waiting for you. You have to come out and tell your story and tell it so many times and at a certain point you will um, reach or touch another person's heart and he will say oh i like this like with your book i mean i saw you doing your thing on instagram and other social media and i'm like damn this guy is going to the, uh, the struggle and he's doing it because i'm doing these videos now for three four months and i also saw your progress I mean, you have to think about scripts, what you're going to say. You have to look into a camera. You have to edit. And the editing yeah. takes a lot of time. Your, your lighting needs to be okay. Your coloring needs to be okay. You have to put it on Instagram. You have to, to put it on Spotify. You have to learn all these skills. Yeah. And a lot of people think, I do it once and it needs to be perfect. But it's not possible. You really need to get, you, you really need to get comfortable with the feeling of the progress. Okay. I'm learning here. Okay, it's struggling. You just get it out. And then you say, whatever, whatever they think, just get it out. Look at yourself and then, okay, what are the things that I can learn? And search for yourself little, little pieces of change, little pieces that you can say, I learned a little bit. If I ask you right now, you have written your book. You can write your book, the same book again. What would you change? And what would you put in it? And what would you not put in it? I'm sure... You have like a complete list. It's true. The, the moment you publish the book and the moment you get it at home, you're first excited. Then you look in the book, you check it, and then you're like, we should have written this differently. That's <laughs> how it goes. But I think it's, it sums, it comes down to when we're, we're talking about the, the, the mindset and everything we discussed from, from reprogramming yourself, trying, learning, sales, business, making videos yourself. It comes down to that. And I really like the quote that you put. I don't know exactly what the quote was. So help me here. But you posted it on Instagram a while back. 
is that it comes down to why is someone a master and someone a student? Because the student, the master has failed more times than the student has tried something like that. And that really sums up what you said. And I think if you asked me to come back to your original question, how can you deal with a positive mindset? How can you become a better salesperson? How can you become a better speaker that jumps on stage and the crowd says, whoa, we will follow you wherever you go. How can you become better in a relationship in any form of communication, whatever you do, it always comes down to that. Know yourself, get in touch with yourself, with your feelings, with your ratio and see yourself as a project. I'm not feeling great in my current job. What do I need to change? What is triggering me to feel unhappy in my job? I need to change it. I want to make videos. How can I make videos? Okay, I need to learn to to use iMovie or Adobe Premiere. Why are these videos not working? Oh, the sound isn't good. How can I change the sound? My relationship is not working. What is not working in a relationship? It's a constant questioning yourself. How can it be better? And being okay, like you said, accepting that it will probably never be as you want or perfect. And that's the beauty of it. Who is going to be Marnik within five years, within 10 years? That's two questions. And the first one is actually, who is going to be Marnik after the corona? Who's going to be Marnik after corona? Well, to come back to what I said in the beginning of the podcast, who am I? I, I, I get my energy from, from working with people and bringing the best out of them. As, I, as, I, as we discussed, as I trigger myself every day, like what can I do better? Uh, and after corona, I think in general, you see a switch. Now, people have a very short-term memory. So a lot of people think that the world is going to change completely. I don't want to be pessimistic, but we're still humans. So we tend to forget, even though how bad it was, we tend to forget. Look at the wars in the past. Mm-hmm. We learned some stuff, but we tend to go back to our, our, our lives. Um, but I think what will change is the mindset and the, that people are now sitting in their homes and thinking like, what is really important? Is my job as great as it is? Is it really making me happy? I should spend more time with my children. Or maybe they're like, I want to spend no more time with my children. I don't have children, so I can't experience it. I don't know, what it, I don't know how it is. Um, but I think the mindset will change. And to answer your question, I think the Marnik after Corona will be the Marnik that will focus business-wise even more on the mindset part because it gives me energy and I see other people now in videos and, and in, in Zoom calls like this, it gives other people energy. And I think it will be a very big need in the future yeah. for people to be more in touch with their emotional side yeah. and cope with future challenges yeah. like this. So business-wise, I will focus that. And the morning, personally, after Corona, I think we'll be even more grateful for what he has. And I think I, I, will, I will get chickens. I decided for that. When the corona started, I was sitting in my garden. I was thinking, I need, I need chickens. I need chickens in my garden because I have, to, I have to be more in touch with nature even more because we live in a beautiful area of, of, uh, of the province that I live. So more animals, more simple things in life, less rushing and becoming even more calm in... Yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. Becoming even more yeah, calm. I, I, I understand it. I, I have the same feeling when I'm going to a meeting in Antwerp Centrum or in, in Brussels Center, for instance. You really feel that a lot of people are there and all that these, these stimuli, mm-hmm. which is feeling really busy and stressed. And then when you enter, because I also live in a very rural environment, and then it's like, I'm going yeah. to say slower, 
but it, it can breed more. And for me personally, I feel more at home there um, than yeah, being in such a, I, I'm going to say it otherwise. I'm more creative in this kind of environment than yeah. in that other environments. And creativity for me, I mean, I'm going to jump on a whole other level right now, is really the thing that never ever I think a computer can replace. I mean, yes, computers can play music by itself, but artificial intelligence is never going to replace the creativity. And also creativity or co-creation of the things we're doing right now or conversation. Mm. I mean, this is that kind of energy because it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about that energy that we're building up together. And that this is something which keeps our tribe yeah. life it's true last question here we go make it a good one yeah. go out with a bang <laughs> yeah well last question and then i have a, a small thing for you last question what is your dream that you did not do or fulfill yet i mean it, it can be as crazy as possible eh? i mean playing in in, uh, in in Bad Boys 4 next to Will Smith or something uh, or with Arnold Schwarzenegger um, Terminator uh, 100,000 I don't know yeah. what what, yeah. Is, what what is a big dream or a crazy dream that you still have in your head the dream I always had in sense of in a certain form and that give, got more shape as I progressed through my career and I still want to achieve it, but it will take a, take a long time probably. Um, but what I still want to do is I want to fill up a whole stadium. I want really, really, and to come back to the, to the Tony Robbins, I don't want to be Tony Robbins, but Tony Robbins goes to the stadium, fills it up with 30,000 to 50,000 people yeah. and, and works with them for, for hours or days on, on, on bringing the best version of themselves. Yeah, yeah. That I want to do. Someday, I don't know what age I'm going to be, but someday I will stand on a stage in a stadium with 30 to 40,000 people and we will be talking about what we talked about now. As a summary. Here we go. Um, Try to come <laughs> Wrap it no, up. No. You are also a comedian. Oh, yeah. To really finish with a very positive note, what is for you one of the best jokes that you heard lately that you want to share with the audience and give the people a very positive smile on their face during these Corona times. There you go. And now, and now I have to tell a joke. Now I have to tell a joke. Well, I want to end, end positive, but I'll tell you, like I, I do some comedy in my spare time, did it more now or less because it's then more on stage for, for the business. But I don't really like jokes. And this is not to, to destroy your whole positive thing, but the, the reason I don't like jokes, it's always so... I don't know. I was like, ha ha ha, but it's never really funny. I always say, like I also say in the book, the best jokes and the most funny jokes are the most recognizable. Like if you're a, if you're a comedian, um, the first thing they tell you when you follow comedy courses or whatever yeah. is comedian doesn't tell jokes in the sense of yeah. the joke like uh, you talk about it in your book, yeah. Yeah, a baker walks into a bar and says, "No, yeah, don't yeah. go, there. don't yeah, go yeah, there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell about about. Uh, real life stories and people laugh because it's so recognizable so what's the best joke well to end it maybe not on the on the laugh but the best joke is always the one where, where you rec can't talk anymore where you recognize yourself and you're like oh my god i had the same thing those are the most funny moments if you can create that in sales 
if you can have that moment that that person is like, you know exactly what you're talking about. I feel your passion. I recognize myself in you. I recognize the fact that you know in which world I'm living. I like it. I love the passion. If you can do that as a comedian, that's why I also started with the whole stand-up thing. Um, if you can do that like a stand-up comedian, you'll become the best sales man or woman or speaker on the planet if you can wow. create that recognition. Oh, wow. What a conclusion. There you go. Now, Marnik, is there something that you missed that you did not talk about that you s still want to say uh, or share? Ooh, normally I would say, is there still something the audience wants to know? But I don't think we're going to get a lot of, <laughs> of reaction in, in this format. No, it's, it's, I can talk a lot about a lot of things. I, I think, are you happy with, with yes, the Yes, of course, I'm happy. That's why I asked the question. Maybe there was something that you want to express that you said, uh, maybe. Now, where can people find you? I mean, online, of course. They can find me online. The most important thing is just Marnik Vandenbroek, but probably for a lot of people, that's hard to write. So I'm going you, to put it in the comments, of course. Eh? There you go. So if you do uh, Marnik Vandenbroek in LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, always the same name, you will get it. Instagram.com slash YouTube.com slash. Uh, if you want to find everything that we do is standupcompany.com. There we will find the podcast, there we will find videos, blogs, insights, what we do, trainings. So the, the easiest part is the standupcompany.com. Where can people buy your book? In the bold.com? Amazon. Amazon? Amazon. Amazon is the most international. And then in our regions, Belgium, Netherlands, bold.com, uh, and the most known bookstores in this region. But I think the easiest part is and, Amazon. And now a dirty one. Why do, why do people need to buy your book? Why do people, and then now you want, you have the sales pitch. And I think this hour was really the why people really, they not only need to buy your book, they need to buy 10 of your books. I mean, it's so great and give the way to their friends. There you go. For, for me, the most important part in why you should buy the book. And, and a lot of people ask me, who is the book for, for everybody. And then people say that's bad marketing because like you always say, you have to have a target audience. This book is written in such a way that if you're listening right now and you're like, I'm going to apply for a new job after Corona, I'm going to change my job, or I want to get a certain promotion, or I want to start public speaking, or I'm going to upgrade my sales, or I want to upgrade my relationship with my husband or my wife, anything that has to do with communication and getting people to take action, yeah. read the book and I will guarantee, and I was also happy that you confirmed it and you were super happy with what you read. I will guarantee it will work hundred percent. Not if just read it, apply it. And I will guarantee you will get that job promotion project yeah. approved. Yeah. And I confirm I'm a real ambassador of your book. And I, like I said before, for me, it's one of the best books that I read, especially coming from Belgium. I mean, you nailed it. You really nailed it. Um, and I'm, yeah, it's, uh, and the, the great thing about the book is that you're giving some theory, but you're giving really practical um, examples. And next to that, you're giving really practical, yeah, things to do. It's not about, yeah, this is it. No, no, this is what you can do so that everybody, yeah, can find something that they can, yeah, that it can resonate with them and they can do something about it. Because most of the books are a little bit theoretical with some examples, mm. but how should I do that right now? And um, yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 I'm really happy that you say that um, because for me, that was the most important thing about writing books. Because like I said, in the last chapter, and I'm going give, to give, give away everything, but in the last chapter, I say, 
everything you read in this book, you can read in any other book. Yeah. Because everything we talked about in this podcast is not new. There's so many people saying this, uh, the things that Tony Robbins says, the thing that no, Simon no, no. says. All these things have been said, been said for hundreds of years. Yeah. Nobody's telling anything new, but in their own way, their own version. Yeah. And I really wanted the people to read the theory like, okay, cool, I've heard this before or I haven't. Great, now you know. And then give them so much practicality that they're like, but ah, this is how you adapt it. Yeah. Now I know how to use it. And I'm really glad that you got that from me. Mornik, thanks a lot. Enjoy the chickens. Enjoy Natalie. And I wish you lots of luck and especially lots of pleasure in your creativity and reinventing yourself in your business. And I wish you, you are selling books by the millions. The millions. There you go. Stay safe. Stay positive. Stay healthy. You yeah, too. And we'll get a beer after Corona. Yes, we do. Thanks, <laughs> Bye, Monique. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Thank you.